the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Talking Catholic podcast. Uh, I'm your host today, Mike Walsh, and I'm flying solo, actually semi-solo today. I'll be bringing on one of my favorite guests in a mere moment. But um, we're recording this on the 48th anniversary of Roe v. Wade today, and and uh, you'll be listening to this to a, a few days later. But um, yeah, I did I did want to kind of talk about it a little bit. The um, you know it's one of those dates on the Christian calendar, but truthfully, the the calendar of the United States um, that you know we as Catholics really need to make sure that we always keep ever present. Um, Every year we know that there's a, a large march in uh, D.C., uh, the March for Life. And, and that march, uh, typically in years past, certainly when I was a kid, um, it was always held on the, the date of Roe v. Wade. And uh, in later years, just, just a few years ago, they, they made the decision to, in a way of encouraging people to attend the march, they moved it to the last Friday of every January uh, and they made it more of a weekend, which I think was a good thing. Um, they would always have a vigil mass on the on the eve on Thursday night, and then the, the usually a rally to start the uh, march off, and then the march up uh, Constitution to the Supreme Court building. I've been to it each of the last five years, and I I will say that it's a incredibly moving experience um, just to be around so many like minded individuals. And I don't mean a few hundred; I mean thousands, tens of thousands, even. Uh, the one last year that uh, President Trump spoke at was probably the largest one I had ever seen. And I know that there were, there were close to 20,000 people, if not more there. The, um, it, was, it was a beautiful crush of humanity there. Uh, and across the spectrum, by the way, I mean, people, uh, you know, school kids to, to the elderly, um, our own bishop uh, always makes, uh, Dennis Sullivan always makes the journey down as well. Um, but instead of marching in the parade, he, uh, he wisely, uh, at the age of mid-70s, realized that if he stood on the corner of New Jersey and Constitution, uh, he was able to see the entirety of the parade. And, and most importantly, I think on, in his case, he was able to greet all of the pilgrims to the parade who came from the Diocese of Camden. And it's always great to go because I see all the other diocesan parishes and schools as well. But uh, each year I would go down with him and uh, I, I would, my favorite part was seeing the delegations come by his, uh, his perch there on, uh, on the corner. And I mean, he, the joy on his face seeing everybody was, was more than enough. But then just to see all of those groups of people, the, the, the various parishes, all of our schools, every single one of the high schools would come down with the delegation. They'd all get their picture with the bishop. The bishop would bless each and every one of them, talk to them for as long as they wanted to talk, thank them for making the, the pilgrimage and, and showing publicly that we as Catholics and quite frankly, we as Americans should be uh, a pro-life community. My favorite part was always seeing the young kids because I, I feel like when you think of Catholicism, you you will often gravitate to what we often see in the pews, which are, uh, you know, older Catholics, uh, particularly nowadays where we're sort of socially distanced and a lot of our sisters and brothers are, are not attending mass with us for fear of uh, the coronavirus. Um, but at an event like that, you know, we saw everybody, everybody would come down, people being pushed in wheelchairs and, and taking part. It was gorgeous. And, uh, you know, going back to the, the young people, you know, I think there's this, 
philosophy or feeling in the Catholic Church that young people are engaged. They are engaged. Uh, they may not be properly engaged to come to Mass, but I do think that the particularly our, our pro, young pro-life Catholics are very engaged to show up, to be seen, to be a part of things. I think young people have a natural inclination to, uh, to activity. And the idea of going down to D.C. and wearing similar clothes and wearing, carrying their pro-life signs, uh, I think, I think engages them in a way that, um, that, that they have not yet figured out how to be engaged by the mass by. Um, maybe that's the kind of thing that comes with age as we, uh, as we all get a little older and, and, you know, start to focus a little bit more on you know, the Eucharist and, and, the, and Jesus in that sort of quiet time of, of mass. But, um, but when it's, you know, shouting and, and when everyone's shouting and walking and together and singing, I think, uh, I think young church really gets activated. Uh, so it's a beautiful thing to see. At any rate, it is the 48th anniversary today. So I did want to take a few moments to uh, just kind of reflect on a few things. And the USCCB had, had put out their, uh, their reflection series for today, and I just wanted to uh, to read it. So today on the 48th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, we mourn the many children's lives ended by abortion and remember in prayer those who suffer the aftermath. The church comes together today to pray for the protection of all unborn children and to make reparation for abortion, trusting that the Lord hears our prayers. The importance of prayer is reflected in Evangelium Vitae, which says, a great prayer for life is urgently needed, a prayer which will rise up throughout the world. Through special initiatives and daily prayer, may an impassioned plea rise to God, the creator and lover of life from every Christian community, from every group and association, from every family and from the heart of every believer. May the prayer rise, arise in our hearts today and each day forward until every human being is protected in law and welcomed in love. So as a brief uh, prayer for life, I want to, uh, to read to you right now. Father and maker of all, you adorn all creation with splendor and beauty and fashion human lives in your image and likeness. Awaken in every heart reverence for the work of your hands and renew among your people a readiness to nurture and sustain your precious gift of love, life. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Now, there are a lot of things. So there's a novena for life that's taking place right now. I think as we're recording this, we're on, I think, on day three of the novena. Uh, the idea was that it was going to lead up to the March for Life. And the March for Life is still going on in some fashion. It's going on as a virtual event. And if you go to marchforlife.org, there are a number of different ideas you can do, uh, suggestions for you to do for uh, doing the march on your own from your, from your home, from your neighborhood, from your school, from your parish, uh, to do on, uh, on the actual day of March for Life. But um, so you can check that out at the, you can go to respectlife.org to find the USCCB suggestions. You go to marchforlife.org to find their suggestions. A little reminder that the marchforlife.org isn't necessarily, I shouldn't say necessarily, it is not officially a Catholic organization. It's very much a Christian organization, uh, ecumenical in that percent. In that, but uh, obviously Catholics make up a, a large part of it. Um, and, you know, in future years, I very, if you have not been to it, 
I wholeheartedly encourage you to attend. It is truly a beautiful experience. Um, most parishes, or at least deaneries in our different dioceses, uh, will usually come together to get a bus and come down and on mass. Certainly in the New Jersey area, it's a pretty easy way of uh, an easy drive to a. Uh, to get to, to DC. I typically, uh, because you know, I, as all of my co-hosts know, which why I'm here today by myself, um, the, I'm very isolated person, I, I like me. Um, so I tend to drive down the, um, and then of course, those of us in uh, long Amtrak, you know, I highly encourage you to take Amtrak down too, because it is a very easy drive, you lit- or a li- very easy ride. You literally, for us people in the Philadelphia area, hop on 30th street, take it down to Union Station, the most beautiful uh, train station uh, in, on the planet. And, um, and it's literally just like a five minute walk from Union Station to, um, to Congress. So you can definitely get to the end of it very easily. Drive a walk a little further down. If you've never been to DC, I also encourage you to go to DC. It's a beautiful town. It's particularly, it's perfectly laid out for, for visitors. Uh, it's very easy to get to everything. Uh, it's a big wagon wheel. So it's very, you always know where you're kind of going and the Metro system down there is fantastic. So uh, there really is no reason uh, not to go to the March if you have the, the ability and the, the inclination. And I hope uh, everybody listening has some form of inclination to take part. So the person I have with me today uh, has been on the, the podcast before, and um, it's kind of nice because she and I are quite frankly tied to the hit. I, I think I've referred to her as a, a friend of me a, a few times, but the, the problem is uh, in the two years that she's more than two years now, I think that she's worked for the diocese, three years, they, um, almost every project we work on together. As a matter of fact, she's working on one project by herself right now. And um, I actually kind of feel like I've, I'm being excluded from it. I, she talks about it every now and again, and I go, oh my goodness, how you're doing a project without me. That's so, I don't think that's ever happened before. It's so nice. So I have with me the director of the Office of Discipleship and Leadership for the Diocese of Camden, uh, Donna Ottaviano-Britt. Donna, good to see you today. Nice to see you too, Mike. Thanks for having me back on the show. Oh, it's always friend my pleasure. Me. Yes, friend of me. There's that word again, friend of me. And that's kind of- it kind of the case you know lots of projects we work on together sometimes you're bossing me around but hey what am I going to do about that and oftentimes it's vice versa or at least it feels that way in the case (laughs) we were working on a project recently where uh we were definitely in charge but neither one of us wanted to take charge of it I think we just kind (laughs) of we just kind of did it without either one of us I've never tried to push something off on somebody else so uh so much in my life but yeah we're working on an advent project and uh as usual it was successful but uh but neither one of us wanted to claim ownership for it. No, so anyway, we'll have to be a little bit better with the next one. Yes, yes, yes. We'll talk about a little bit that today. Um, so actually, you know, I just finished talking a little bit about uh, Roe v. Wade and, and the March for Life. You know, Donna, do you have any sort of reflections on it from, a, from your perspective as someone who spends more time in the pastoral world than, than I do? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I admire the the dedication and the heart and the spirit of all the people that are part of that movement, you know, whether they're Catholic or Christian, like you had talked about, right? March for Life is really a um, much larger organization. It's not just Catholic, although Catholics make up a large part of it. I have been to the March for Life in, uh, several times uh, as an adult, and it is an amazing experience. That, and you talked about how youthful the attendees are. It is so wonderful to be with that many young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to the point also that you made, young church gravitates to the doing, right? Sometimes the more 
seasoned, I like seasoned versus older, seasoned Catholics, you know, our, our transformation sometimes comes from the doing, not it, to a bit more of the spiritual devotions and prayer, right? Because prayer is powerful. So even if you're a doer though in the Catholic church, you need to have a prayer life to help inform and shape and help you discern. But I have always loved my time at the um, pro-life March in January. I'm disappointed it's not happening this year because I would have yeah. been there. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I was holding out hope literally until the last day. I was, uh, I was at, I, I think I'd gotten home late last Friday um, and it's, I'd seen the, the announcement had come through just a few hours earlier. And I, I, I literally, I don't use this word often. I was literally crestfallen. Like, uh, I mean, I understand. I, I, I'm not. I'm certainly not upset with the, the organizers. I, I think in today's day and age, and particularly everything that's been going on with the, down in DC at the time, you know, I can understand why they they made that decision. And I'm not saying it's an unwise decision, but I I do think though that it puts the it puts the onus on us as individuals to make sure that um, certainly today on the 22nd when we're recording this. It is twenty second. Twenty second. We're recording this. That we're that we're keeping. You know that that pro life, um, that pro life energy close to our hearts, particularly as we saw this week with the election of a new um, president um, and a a government now that two thirds of it is you know, run by uh, a party that does not necessarily share uh, our pro-life perspective, uh, certainly in regards to um, abortion. I think there are other elements of the pro-life movement where where they do gravitate to it, but in this one area, they, they do come up lacking. So, you know, that was one of the reasons why I think I was so crestfallen was I, I really thought that it was an important show of strength by the right to life movement to be there, particularly a week after, you know, the, the inauguration of a new government. Um, but you know what? We'll have to do it from our homes. and We'll have to make it just as powerful and important uh, today and next Friday on the 29th um, so that that message is received in, in Washington, D.C. and all of our state capitals, um, you know, and, and for the people at large. I think, um, you know, I think the March for Life movement isn't necessarily and it isn't necessarily intended to be an aggressive movement, but I do think in times like this, when we have lost some of our political connections, um, that that's when it's even more important to be outspoken and to be present and to be public with our dedication to, to human life. So, and I think that needs to continue to live right and across all the pro-life groups, particularly here in South Jersey, and there are a number of them. And you look at the work that they do, you know, and they really are tireless. They are tireless in their efforts, you know, in terms of establishing um, homes for where uh, pregnant women can go and live and live out their pregnancies. But if they didn't have that, they would make different choices. They are supported uh, in many, many ways in terms of you know, the supplies that they'll need, the people that they'll need, right? Really tending to mom and baby after. Because I think there are a lot of people uh, maybe on the other side of this particular issue that uh, really um, poke at the pro-life people is that they're like pre-birth people. There's so much good work that happens for oh, these yeah. young women and their babies, yeah. you know, after they're born. So I think that really doesn't get enough of the attention yeah. is around how much actually happens for these young moms and young babies. Cause we know abortion harms 
not just the baby by ending the baby's life, it really harms the woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, I have a, a physician. I, I always think about him, um, this during this time period because um he's a catholic he's a catholic doctor and uh he's my gp and and um you know he's 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 a beautiful man and he always wears the um uh the the right to the right to life pin that's a two baby's feet on mm-hmm. on his on his lapel on his, on his, his uh, doctor's lapel on his mm-hmm. doctor's coat um, and he's got his Knights Columbus pin on the other side. I love it. I'm like, I love the guy. I, I, imagine that a, a, a secular, you know, secular workplace where the doctor is very comfortable and espousing his, his beliefs like that. And um, so I asked him one time, I said, you know, what do you do when someone comes to you and asks you, you know, about terminating a pregnancy? And he goes, you know, Mike, it's, it's not a struggle for me personally. It's certainly a struggle as a doctor. Because, you know, my number one goal is to help the person and help, obviously, in this case, the baby as well. So I let them know. I said, listen, I will find you every other avenue you could be you could use other than like I'll find adoption. We'll we'll find other things for you to do and and every and any anything I can offer you, I'll offer you. And then he says, but I won't. I won't refer you for for an abortion. You'll have to go to another doctor for that. I won't do that. Um, But he said, but he always ends it the same way. And I was very moved by this. He always ends the same way. He goes, but I'll tell you this, Mike, I tell them all the same thing. After it happens, come back to me and I'll help you with whatever else. Because there will be things you'll have to deal with medically um, after having that. And I, I think there's a generosity of spirit in that. And and a warning, obviously, as well to, to women who would consider it. Um, that there, this isn't this isn't a one and done thing. You are going to have other things you got to deal with. At any rate, I, I was very appreciative of the fact that um, it kind of kind of gave me hope that there were doctors out there, you know, affirming the right to life even in the doctor's office. So he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, that's a lovely story, yeah. you know. And I think um, so. My husband has been in a pro life movement a long, long time. And his winter little wool Jeff hat has that same pin on it of the two baby's feet. You know, he's been wearing that for a, for a very long time. So very dedicated. But I, I do think, and I appreciate the story you tell of the doctor who's so, so public, right? Mm-hmm. That he's pro-life with the pin. And he's also a Catholic because he's wearing his Knights of Columbus pin. Yeah. You know, and we do kind of live in an age now where that is getting to be a little bit challenging, you know, to be so public with it. It's subtle. You'd have mm-hmm. to know what those pins are you know, to look at that, but it's, it's becoming a little bit challenging to think, but just, I want to advocate. I want to advocate for babies. I want to advocate for Jesus, you know, yeah. so some of those things can be a little bit challenging for us to do, but we have to be as brave as the first century Christians. We do. And, you know, I, I go back to something we said earlier, or I said earlier that about, you know, in, a, in an environment where, you know, things have sort of turned against us a little bit, that's when it's so important. That's when you really do have to stand up and and I, I don't necessarily mean that you have to be riotous about it, but you mm-hmm. have to be public and you have to be, you have to show that, no, no, it's, this movement exists and it's larger than anybody I think gives it credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because there's a lot, I mean, all of television and media and everything feels against us when it comes to the right to life. And uh, I think we need to stand up and, and show ourselves as, you know, good Christians and we're here and we're, we're here for one reason and one reason early, and that's to protect the life. And in this case, protect the life of an unborn child. So mm-hmm. it has nothing to do about anything else that uh, so many other arguments are made about it. And it, 
I, I always hear those arguments and I go, that's, that's not the reason why we're doing this. It, it isn't the, like you often hear the, the thing that's to keep women down. I'm like, well, the most hardcore right to lifers I've ever met are all women. So I know it's not to keep women <laughs> down and I, a great many of them are executives. So I know that's yeah. not the case. So, right. uh, so, but it, but it's an easy, I think it's an easy headline sometimes and uh, right. some form of misogyny in this and, and boy, could that not be any further from, from yeah. the truth. It's a weak argument. I think a lot of women, you know, society and culture are trying to sell women a bill of goods, mm-hmm. you know, that in order to live a fulfilling life, you must sacrifice, you know, well, how God really designed us, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, to, I agree with you. to be moms. Yeah. It is, you're absolutely right. It's part, it is absolutely part of a larger issue in mm-hmm. that regard. But, yeah. um, and I only wish I was more expert to be able to talk about it eloquently, but <clears throat> that this is all I got. So me as a, <laughs> a, a commoner Catholic, just uh, in, in my, my limited perspective. But I think it's an important, I think it's important that I always have those conversations. So I try not to let uh, this day in particular go past without, without having that conversation. So I was happy I could do it on the podcast and, oh. and with you, Donna. As, as oh, always. well, thanks, Mike. Considering you just referred to yourself as a commoner Catholic, you actually did a pretty nice job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I think I'm going to have commoner Catholic written somewhere. Maybe if I ever get a mm-hmm. tattoo, maybe that'll be my tattoo. Maybe Catholic. that should be it if you decide to get one. That'll work. The, um, the, uh, so, you know, I, I wanted to have you on because, you know, it's the beginning of the year and you and I have actually been talking about quite a few projects and, mm-hmm. uh, and some of them I think might be of interest to our listeners, not just in the Diocese of Camden, but across the, the, the uh, podcast verse uh, with some ideas that, you know, we kind of have planned for this year. But one that uh, isn't necessarily Lenten in mind, um, but is something that the Holy Father challenges us to is uh, the year of St. Joseph. So, I love um, the year of St. Joseph. So do I. And um, I thought it was a great idea. And I, I actually feel that, you know, because it, it really fixates on um, Joseph as the father of Jesus, um, the human father of Jesus, as um, and sort of like what we can learn from from a saint who, quite frankly, doesn't have a lot of words re- referenced to him in the Bible, you know, but mm-hmm. but was a but was someone, you know, when 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 he could have most easily turned his back on Mary and Jesus, um, he stepped up much like in what we were talking about, very, very pro-life oriented. Uh, he stuck with them and was, was a good father to him and a good husband to her. So, um, so the Holy Father brought, the, brought this up can, in your, as you've been sort of reading up on the year of St. Joseph, you know, how have you sort of wanted to like focus on it? Well, I'm actually super excited about the year of St. Joseph. So I love St. Joseph. I'm married to a man, St. Joseph. So it's his patron saint. Uh, but the fact that the Holy Father has brought us a year, right? So we're celebrating the 150th anniversary of St. Joseph being the patron of the Catholic Church. And, and you think about it, like, what do I really know about St. Joseph? As you said, right? There, we don't, I don't think he's quoted anywhere in the Bible. He's referenced, but we have none of his words. But you think about the life the Holy Family must have lived, you know, and then at some point Joseph died before Jesus started his ministry. There's all this wonderful literature that actually is available on uh, written by men of our saints and their dedication to St. Joseph and what they have come to learn about him. Uh, so there's a book that's available. It's written by um, Father Callaway. It's Consecration to St. Joseph. It's a 33-day consecration. And so I have read a, a sizable chunk of that book. And it's really wonderful to kind of dig deep on St. Joseph. He really is the spiritual father 
of all of us. And you look at his yes to Mary. And I, I, there's this whole idea, you know, that uh, and right in the heels of right, we're talking about pro-life is that Mary was an unwed um, pregnant teenager, but you have to understand Jewish culture, right? From the first century, their weddings are actually almost two parts, right? You get betrothed, which is really the wedding. And then the husband goes and prepares his home for her, mm-hmm. you know? And during that betrothal is when she goes and sees her cousin Elizabeth. So we all kind of know the story that comes through and you look at his faithfulness, but here's the thing that I have come to learn um, in particular reading up now on St. Joseph so that I'm ready for this year and I can get as much as I can spiritually out of this year. He was a very holy man. It is no accident, right? That God chose him. Yeah. He was very, very holy. And the thing I love about the coming to understand the old Testament is that's what Mary and Joseph prayed. You know, like if you think about praying the Psalms, that's what they prayed, right? Mm-hmm. Joseph was holy, And Joseph wanted no harm to come to Mary. And Joseph didn't think he was worthy of Mary and Jesus. He knew what was happening. He's like, oh, I can't do that, you know? And so God had to send him the angel in his dream and say, yes, you can. So you should do these things. You know, and it it makes Joseph so relatable. Is to think sometimes we think the things that God is putting in front of us, we cannot do. Yet if we trust We say yes. We often talk about Mary's fiat. Joseph gave his fiat too to God. So there's this wonderful journey that we're going to take this year as it relates to St. Joseph. I am super excited. Yeah. You know, St. Joseph now, listen, in addition to being a common commoner Catholic, I'm certainly not a theologian either. But one of the things that has always sort of in the back of my mind, uh, you know, I've considered in in thinking about St. Joseph is when you think about it, when Jesus is born, the first human the first not i mean the first human with the sin of stain on him because because mary did not have the sin of stain on her she had, she had grace he was just he was the rest of us he was literally a dude um much like myself and well hopefully much better than myself but he was a dude and you know here's this this human who decides that he's going to care for this you know divinely touched woman and you know god incarnate and his child and, and it's just, you know, I don't know how that decision is made. You know, I mean, he, certainly he didn't, I don't think he knew the true, well, he did, he had the dream from, from God, but, but um, I, I think a common Jew from, from that time probably can't conceptualize all these things that we've been focusing on for 2000 years. And yet there he is. So I think, I think in every respect that it was a beautiful opportunity for a, a that the Pope, surprisingly, for all of us, with no preparation so we could get ready for the, the year of St. Joseph, um, he really gives us someone that I think a lot of people can sink their teeth into um, and see a lot of a lot of themselves, uh, particularly guys, obviously, but I think any person um, who, you know, like when faced with that challenge that Joseph was faced with and makes the decision, says, says yes, I, I think it's I think it's beautiful. So we actually have a couple of ideas that we've kicked around, one of which I will surprise you with, Donna, because it hasn't been announced yet. I just found out uh, that uh, Bishop will be um, taking part in our novena of St. Joseph and that uh, the pilgrimage site uh, will be the Polish church, the St. Joe's Polish church, which is perhaps the most beautiful church in all of uh, the Diocese of Camden. 
it's a Polish church in Camden or in Camden in the diocese of Camden, yes. But the, uh, the church itself is in Camden City, and it's it has <laughs> it is just gorgeous. It is it has these beautiful paintings and beautiful architecture, and uh, the major thoroughfare interstate that uh, crisscrosses um, uh, Camden uh, goes right past it. So you see, it's giant green and brick um, spire coming up as you go past it. It's just, it's a gorgeous church. So uh, I believe the novena will be starting and ending on the 11th and the 19th uh, from that church. And Bishop- That's March, it. right? You're talking about the feast day of St. Joseph? March. Yes. March, okay. start March 11th and end on the 19th. And I believe uh, Bishop will be starting each one with a live, starting and ending with a live stream mass from that church. And then uh, as part of the novena, Don and I have been tasked with going to the other churches uh, in South Jersey, named after St. Joseph, and doing reflections, daily reflections during that novena. So, uh, hey, Tana. When did that happen, Mike? (laughs) We have some some work to do. It's going to be fun. Great. Oh, there's uh, another project. (laughs) Okay, then. You know what, though? But I'm super excited to play some role in this year of St. Joseph, because I think there's so much Mm-hmm. that we can learn from him. I like that you think he... you're going to play some role. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> that, the play a role and to be part of, because he is our spiritual father, the mm-hmm. same way that he played the role that God chose him to be his earthly father of his son. He's our spiritual father. So I think there's a lot to learn from him. And I also think a great deal will come for, for those of us who entrust ourselves to him. And we don't haven't much thought of that. This is a great year to think about doing that. Oh, I'm excited. You should be. You should be. I can't wait to see what you come up with. Um, oh, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> we call that collaboration word that, you know, that word, like collaboration. I guess we'll talk about that. Right. Yeah. I'll make it, like I said, I'll make it look beautiful. You, you, you got to figure it out what it is. But, um, but no, I, we are looking forward to it. And uh, we, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to uh, come up with some ideas of, of what it should take place. But I, I hope other parishes and and dioceses will think of doing similar things i i forget who would actually suggest in the novena for saint joseph might have actually been you um we had a meeting about it and Mm -hmm. uh uh, i thought that was such a great idea so that was wonderful yeah i think it's terrific and i think people could consider going to buy the book you know consecration Mm -hmm. to saint joseph because the writing of saints who had a particular devotion to him they have written some beautiful beautiful passages around saint joseph uh, I think it's early now. We've just come out of Advent Christmas season. Uh, but even for Advent this year, go and do the Advent meditations with St. Joseph mm-hmm. that um, happens in Advent. Ascension Press puts it out. I just went through it with a small group in Advent. So rich, so amazing to think about walking with St. Joseph all the way to the birth of Jesus. Magnificent. Yeah. And, you know, I, I talked about dioceses and parishes, but certainly uh, there are a number of Catholic men's groups or Catholic groups in general, but maybe particularly Catholic men's groups with the idea of St. Joseph as a, as a patron to that. Um, I think uh, I certainly hope to see the Knights of Columbus doing a lot with uh, the year of St. Joseph in particular, but hopefully something on the Feast of St. Joseph as well. Yeah. And doesn't, me, the, doesn't the Man Up South Jersey group have St. Joseph as their patron? They do, as a matter of fact. They do. Uh, Man Up. Man up uh, Philly, and it's uh, it's a breakaway group, not breakaway, but that's an offshoot of uh, that Man Up South Jersey. Uh, they have, in fact, entrusted this year to St. Joseph as they prepare for 
their next conference, which I believe will be the second Saturday in November at Paul VI Conference Center in Haddon Township, New Jersey. Um, so, uh, and they're, so they're actually looking forward to putting out a lot of great content. Um, they have a mailing list right now that uh, has a weekly St. Joseph's Reflection. So uh, they're, they're putting out that stuff all the time. So it's really good. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think so. St. Joseph and and certainly the Pope's letter on St. Joseph is a content-rich um, uh, creation for for Catholics, not just men, all Catholics to to really consider. So Donna, on top of the year of St. Joseph and currently right to life, um, <laughs> a little birdie told me Lent's coming too. So, <laughs> yes, coming fast too. Coming yeah, fast in less like, than a month. Less than a month, we'll, uh, we'll be uh, at Ash Wednesday. And uh, so we've already kind of started our preparations for Ash Wednesday. And uh, one of the things that uh, we've been, uh, not, not for just Ash Wednesday, for all of Lent, but one of the things that we're kind of preparing for is related to Ash Wednesday, which is how's everybody going to get their crosses on their head? And <laughs> the fact of the matter is they probably aren't. Not. But you're still going to get your ashes. So I believe in our diocese, and I think uh, certainly in dioceses in the region and possibly across the United States, um, this year with COVID restrictions as they are, um, they're going to be giving, they're be doing away with the forehead uh, cross, and instead they're going to be using an Italian technique. And apparently, the rest of the world looks at our Catholic world looks at our crosses on our forehead and goes, "What are you people doing?" Um, in Europe, you know, historically, the sprinkling of ashes was just that, a sprinkling of ashes. What they do is, and you saw this live, and I kind of want yeah. you to explain it. Um, when when you come up, you literally tip your head forward. The priest puts his fingers in the, in the ashes and kind of crunches them over your head and a couple inches over your head, and they fall into your hair or onto your scalp. You're semi-hairless like myself. And, uh, and off you go. So you actually got to experience that last year because you happened to be in Rome on yes, Ash Yes, we were in Rome for Ash Wednesday on the Episcopal pilgrimage. So Bishop um, was on the pilgrimage and we had gone to Israel first and then we, we moved to Italy for a few days before we flew home. So we had the great blessing to be in Rome for Ash Wednesday. We flew home the next day. So it was the first time that I was able to actually witness that and this is an ancient practice mm-hmm. um, for Ash Wednesday. We're not used to it here, right, in the United States. So I know a lot of Catholics are having a different kind of reaction to this news when they hear it. They're a little disappointed that they won't have the big cross on their forehead. Uh, apparently, it's an American thing to want to broadcast to the world that they're Catholic when they go and get their ashes, right, on Ash Wednesday. But it was really beautiful uh, when we were in Rome. And the three priests that were um, with us, you know, Bishop was certainly there, but Father Hughes and Father Gormley were also on this trip. And it was super beautiful to see all of them in their purple vestments. We also had deacons there too. So everyone has the purple on, right? Because it's Lent. And to watch Father Hughes sprinkle the head of Bishop and to sprinkle the head of Father Gormley with the Ash Wednesday ashes. It was really beautiful. And I was like, oh, how wonderful. And then the rest of us, you know, get in line and Father Hughes sprinkles all of our heads, you know, all of us who are there. So it's a really beautiful practice. So I know people are, are feeling a little bit resistant because their Ash Wednesday has changed this year, but don't be open. This is an old ancient practice. And I believe, I can't quote it because I don't know it, 
um, there is a scripture passage that tells us to be humble in our faith. So we don't get the big cross this year. They'll be in our hair. And if you love to receive ashes, it's not obligatory in our faith yeah. is to go. But if you love to reset, receive ashes, go anyway. You know, I've, I've always been conflicted over the big cross because uh, on your forehead, because <laughs> on the one hand, because I've said it so many different times. It's like, you know, you're, you're not supposed to make a show out of your faith at the same, but at the same time as a PR guy, I love the show of faith <laughs> and I love seeing, you know, celebrities who will go to mass or go to Ash Wednesday mass or services and get the cross. And then uh, they put it, put it on their Instagram account or just, it's always, it's always wonderful to see the different versions of crosses. You know, you get the smudge, you get the giant cross, you get the, that is definitely not a T. So I don't know what letter they're trying to put there. Um, but, um, but the truth of the matter, you actually took video um, wisely uh, probably didn't even realize how wise you were last Who knew? year. Yeah, you took some video for for social media while this was going on, and uh, we're actually going to use it as a little bit of a, sort of an information uh, package since we have uh, proof that in fact Bishop and Father Hughes, the Vicar General of the Diocese, are totally cool with sprinkling. Exactly. Actually, you shut. I will. I have one complaint. You did shut the uh, camera off too soon because one of our CFR sisters was about to get sprinkled. And I was curious how they did the sprinkling on a veil. They did put it on the veil. I'm sure she didn't remove her veil, but I, mm-hmm. I was curious as to how the sisters would do it. But um, it was uh, it's completely normal. So you know, don't, don't be complaining too much because we're we're having once again a little one more little change to our lives because of uh, because of the covid so. Well, the other thing that I would add to that piece of the conversation, Mike, our church is filled with richness and some of it is ancient, right? And some yeah. of it we've kind of left behind, right? We do live in a post-Christian culture now, you know, and there's a lot of things. There's a lot in the culture that would gobble us up if we let it. How wonderful to get to participate in an ancient ritual of the church. I actually love this. I think it's wonderful. So asking people to kind of open themselves up to like, oh, this is an ancient practice of the Catholic church. I'm all in. Yeah. I, I had the same feeling the first time I went to a, a Latin mass. It was the exact same feeling. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's an extraordinary version of the mass in, in today's world. And I was like, this is amazing. I've never, this, it's, it was so cool. And then I also came to realize Boy, I really like the ordinary version of the mass, the current ordinary version of the mass. So I'm totally fine with 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 going to the mass in the vernacular, but um, but it is something I like to see from time to time. And since as I has, have never been to Rome or anywhere else in Italy for that matter, um, I I will be looking forward to getting the Roman style of uh, mm-hmm. ashes sprinkled on my head. So that gets us to Ash Wednesday. What are we doing after that? I don't know. We have like a list of projects, right? So. <laughs> Um, well, we, we are kicking around, and I know we're going to do a um, four-day Lenten retreat, diocesan-wide Lenten retreat, and uh, we haven't Yeah, we're figured working out on that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I got news for you. We may have another conversation when this podcast is over. Um, <laughs> call it a planning thing. The, um, the, but we're, we're going to put some ideas together for that because, uh, you know, people are still kind of locked in. Um, you know, I, there are a lot of particularly older Catholics who are just not comfortable to leave yet. My parents who are fearless in every other aspect of their lives really have no intention of getting around other human beings until I, uh, they're vaccinated and things like that. So I'm mm-hmm. like, well, then we're going to keep creating content for people like them. Um, right. Because that's really what we're hoping to do. So there's, there's two parts to this. It's really trying to create good uh, content, things that contribute to your, you know, pursuit of, yeah. of uh, holiness 
um, for people, but also to alleviate some of the work that goes on in the parishes. So pastors don't think they have to create everything themselves, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, to create things. So we are going to, we are planning a three to four day, three to four night um, retreat for the diocese that will live stream. Um, certainly the whole um, Novena de St. Joseph is going to occur uh, during Lent. That would be during Lent. You know what the other thing is? I mean, there's a, there's a number of parishes that are uh, launching small face sharing groups. They're going to use Zoom, you know, because Zoom has this beautiful technology of being in big, big groups and then sending people off to, to uh, smaller discussion groups, which are great. So there's a couple of things that we're kicking around, which obviously there must be something else that I'm not aware of if Mike wants to talk to me when this is over. <laughs> well, well, we'd have to figure out the four-day one still. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, because we, we want to bring in... Uh, That's my project. In, I'm working on it. Yeah, we want to bring in some, uh, some bigger talent to uh, Catholic talent to, to, to encourage our, our local Catholics. But, you know, one of the things we are doing from a diocesan standpoint, and we've let all the pastors know, is some of our parishes actually are and have been very active over the last year, uh, despite, um, and all safely, but despite the, the COVID guidelines. Um, and we do want to go to some of their parishes and elevate what they're doing and bring it to the, the diocese as a whole. So uh, we are looking forward to that. We, we, did a, we did a little bit of that during Advent and the stuff we did was very well received. So, you know, now we're going to figure out how to do it again and do it better. Right, Donna? That's all we have. Yeah, oh, yes. We're trying to do everything we do better. Some of the things are like, oh, I could have done that better. And then some of the things we look at, we're like, wow, that was really great. And then we find out somebody's like, no, you could have done that better. Okay. You know, it's oh. like God teaching us humility. Uh, listen, I, phew, yes, my pride takes a hit on a regular <laughs> basis because uh, I'll see, I'll see the finished product. And listen, to the rest of the world, it looks perfectly fine. And then to us types, it's like, ooh, could have made that better. Could have done this, yeah. which is perfectly normal. And we must all accept it. Yep, Plus we learn exactly. from failure, but uh, we do indeed. Listen, that's what I tell all the parish teams, like the, in this time, like post convocation, you know, we're almost at the two year anniversary of the convocation. Nobody knew COVID happened, you yeah. know, but it's like, try everything, try everything. And if you fail, great, just fail fast, learn from it and go again. Just begin yep. again. That is absolutely right. And, uh, and I think we have to, you know, yeah, I, I, I will, I fully admit, I actually had a conversation with one of our colleagues yesterday about this, that I was doing great. I mean, I, I was about to say I was doing great during, during COVID. That's not exactly how I meant to set to come across, but professionally and spiritually, I was, I, I was able to maintain a good perspective, but I will admit January hit and boy, oh boy, uh, I was, I having some difficulty. Like I really have had not that, I mean, I haven't lost my faith in God or anything like that, but I have been, I have just been kind of down and, um, and I'm not sure why, I don't know. It could be the winter blues. Very, very, I mean, in, in the Catholic faith, January tends to be sort of like all the pastors tend to go away on vacations. So there's not a lot going on and, you know, we don't have any major events going on. We wouldn't have them anyway, because we're in COVID times, but um, I just feel like, you know, we're kind of telling somebody yesterday i'm like man I, I feel like i'm lacking inspiration like not not like the, the mass is still inspiring me and stuff like that but for the stuff we do here there's just sam a hard time ginning up for anything and uh and he was very wise and said mike you and every other pastor in the diocese is kind of feeling that right now because we can't do we can't do these big 
communal faith sharing, at least like we used to do. You know? um, and we also don't have any major projects. So you, you mentioned the convocation of Catholic leaders, so, or you mentioned the convocation, you were referring to the convocation of Catholic leaders, the joy of the gospel in South Jersey, which was a, a diocesan-wide convocation that we put together over the course of 18 months. And it, it debuted in um, what, April, March of 2018, late March of 2018, March late 24th? March 19, 19, 19, man, I cannot get my dates right. And, uh, and it was a wild success. We brought together six to 800, 800 uh, Catholic lay leaders from around the diocese with a, a whole bunch of like renowned Catholic um, uh, leaders, global leaders. And uh, it was really wonderful. And God bless you. You've been able to keep the, the convocation spirit alive by, you know, maintaining these teams from each of these parishes that came out and redeveloping teams that may have broken up and a lot of pastors have moved around. So that has been a challenge because the pastor leaves the team no longer has its figurehead any longer. So a lot of moving parts and, um, and I'll constantly be trying to get you to do something or respond to one of my emails. You go, ah, I'm busy all day. And I'm like, how could you be busy all day? And then I remember, Oh yeah, 800 people moving parts, probably like, uh, herding cats. So, uh, so you know, do you think Lent, this opportunity for us to kind of plan stuff for Lent, will give you another opportunity to sort of interface with your convocation Catholic leaders and get them sort of refocused again? Well, that's what I'm hoping. So we had um, uh, who came to the convocation was Catholic Apostolate Center, uh, mm-hmm. and they ran a number of workshops for us, and they they actually had come out with a series of videos in the fall. And it was kind of like the next step around missionary discipleship. And so we took their, took their leader's guide and we kind of broke it apart to go with each. Uh, I had a really wonderful team uh, that came from across the diocese to kind of assist in that work, uh, customized little leader's guides to go with each of these videos. And we rolled it out. Uh, and there's a couple of parishes now that are, are establishing these small face sharing groups and they're going to use Zoom and they're going to do it during Lent, five weeks. They're going to take the first five videos and they're inviting the, the larger parish now to come to these small face sharing groups using this content. So what do we talk about? You know, what are the four fundamental building blocks of missionary discipleship is an encounter, encounter with Jesus. How do you enable that? How do you accompany someone regardless of where they are? How do you walk with them? but walk with them and bring them then into community, right? Have them be part of the larger community. And then how do they then go forth? So the couple of parishes are actually taking on this work. So it's exciting to kind of see what they're doing um, as it relates to that. So, but it is challenging. People miss not coming together. And there's, you know, people know that technology enables this, um, but it's still not the same as being together. You know, God created us to be in community, but it isn't like God doesn't know what's going on now. So I think God is pushing us to a certain level. Yeah, that's that's very true. Boy, I do appreciate his pushes. Well, yeah. the truth of the <laughs> I know it sounds peculiar and maybe even almost sacrilegious, but you know, I think all of us, you know, I think we get into a comfort zone, and I think we get used to everything that we've been doing, and we kind of. Oh, let me rephrase. I think other people do that. I don't know if necessarily you and I do that, but but I think actually in truth, though, I think we do. I think, you know, like today I came in to work thinking I was going to work on three different things. And now I'm working on three completely different things. The only thing I'm working on today that I knew I was going to work on is uh, having this conversation with you, Donna. So 
thank goodness for a, a weekly deadline that I cannot miss that, that we right. have to record one podcast per week. But, um, but I, I do think it's a good push. That's why the year of St. Joseph was such a good thing because, um, you know, I love it when we have a theme year to work with, you know, we, we had the, um, uh, what was it just a few years ago? We, we opened the Holy doors for the, that was the year of mercy year of mercy. Right. And that was great. I, mm-hmm. I loved working on that. That was a great project. So I, I enjoy when we have these themes that we can keep running throughout the year. But again, it goes to like the depth of what we have, the richness of the Catholic Church. There's so much. I don't care if you live to be 100 and you're <laughs> baptized as a baby. You know, you have, uh, there's so much for you to explore. You'd barely scratch the surface if you live to be 100 and go meet Jesus when you're 100. You just never scratch the surface. That's how much is there. It's great. Uh, it's really it, great. You know, that's that's a very uh, healthy way of looking at it because um, you're absolutely right. Um, there's always something else coming down the pike. You know, you would think a 2,000-year-old religion, ah, yeah, we got it figured out. Nah, there's still more. Yeah, We so don't. Nature, we, we don't, and that's because human nature always changes. That's the thing. Is that- well, and here's the other thing, right? We always talk about, oh, the brokenness. We're all broken. We're all broken. Well, yeah, we are. If we're willing to actually take that step and be introspective about ourselves. And Lent is an ideal time for that, is to really look at ourselves. So if the plan is to give up chocolate for Lent, don't. Do something meaningful, yeah. right? And, and the one thing I would say, we didn't really talk about it, um, kind of like the current culture, right? So there's shifting administration in the White House and there's, there's this whole sense of division in the country. I think we've just come through a period of where we've put our faith in a human being or a collection of human beings and that they somehow are our salvation, they are not. That's they right. are not. So any of us who may have lost our way through all of this really needs to spend some time praying in discernment, like what's next? It, where is my salvation? My salvation is in Jesus. And that's what people need to focus on. Donna, that may be the most brilliant thing you've ever said to me. And wow. you've said many smart things, but that's definitely the most brilliant thing you've ever said. I mean, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Stop putting your, your faith in they. You put your faith in he. That's how it works. Right. Out. Because those people are as broken mm-hmm. as, as I am. Yeah. Right. So regardless of whatever I'm thinking about, anybody else that's out there that looks like they're a leader, mm-hmm. my leader is Jesus. And my leader told me to love and to serve. Yeah. My, my job is to be as much like him as possible. Hope doesn't disappoint. So if you're a following Jesus, you can change the world. It doesn't matter how big your circle is, you can change the world. And that's where we should focus. You're absolutely right. Oh, my God. It's a shame we have uh, three more minutes. Because that's recorded. I can say Mike said Donna Tatiana Britt was absolutely right on January 21st, 2021, at whatever time it is. <laughs> well, not only that, what you said was the perfect way to end the podcast. We still have another three minutes to fill. So I'm like, oh. So now it's your turn, Mike. (laughs) It's your turn. (laughs) No, 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 no. I I went on a 10-minute jag about the right to life at the beginning, which I'm sure you were sitting there. I had actually a a webpage up, so I couldn't see you on the screen. I'm sure you were sitting there going, I can't believe he's being so, I don't know, devout. That's yeah. It's been 10 minutes. He hasn't used one sarcastic reference yet. And and you didn't. And I was like, where's he getting that from? Mike has got (laughs) his holy on for today. Well, you know, I, I'll tell you, I always feel a sense, uh, an extra sense of responsibility when I'm the only uh, host, because um, the truth of the matter is, 
I bring my three co-hosts are much better Catholics than I am. They're much better human beings than I am. And That's much nice like yourself. And well, it is. I mean, it's true. I mean, you, you talk about humility and stuff like that. When it comes to my Catholicism, you know, I, I wrap myself in the fact that I, I mean, not joyfully, I just wrap myself in the fact that I'm a typical sinner and I'm not sure I should be giving advice to anybody on anything other than to say, I'm just like you and here's how I manage through it. Um, but, you know, that's why I, I always appreciate when Lent and Advent roll around um, because I, those two seasons, you know, I, once again, not feel I would do enough to, to give you chapter and verse on it, but it's always been my impression that they're both intended for us to focus on ourselves, not in a, not in a selfish way, but in a way of what can I do better? What, what haven't I been doing? And that's not to say you can't do it during ordinary time. It's just that, you know, the church is really geared during the Advent and Lent to remind us, A, of our mortality, uh, B, that, you know, we are, you know, as, as people who have chosen to call ourselves Catholics and follow God, uh, that there, a commitment comes with that. And that commitment is you have to follow the mission to God, which is hard for Catholics to do. I mean, you know, we have a new president who, who feels himself and, and there's some debate about this, but he's a person who's chosen to refer to himself as a Catholic. And, you know, I think we, he needs to be reminded on a regular basis that comes with responsibilities, um, mm -hmm. like all of us do. And I'm not saying he as president needs to be reminded that I, he as human needs to be responded, uh, responsive to that. And so do we, so that is the thing that, uh, that, and we, it's a, it's a personal thing. It's something we have to adjust for ourselves for and, and keep on ourselves for, but it's something that's important. So, you know, I'm not a big fan of pointing fingers or throwing stones, but I do enjoy to remind people that, you know, if we're going to claim something, then sometimes that means you got to make some hard decisions about how you choose to live your life and what you believe and what you say. So hence why on the podcast, I surround myself with far better people than me, because uh, <laughs> I know my limitations and how much better y'all are than I am at, uh, at living our faith and praising our faith. So Don, is nice to you, Mike. No, you're very welcome. Uh, say, uh, that's recorded too, so you can save that for a future. Uh, you will pick me up. <laughs> <We> use it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so to our uh, listeners, well, first of all, Donna, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. And thanks for all the hard work you do for the diocese and me. Um, and then uh, thank you to all of our listeners. I heard that. And <laughs> thank you to all our listeners. Have a great week. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye.